the, the hawthorn is one of the best for insects. They really are. Um, you know, they've got flowers, they've got seeds, um, they've got a, a, a gnarly old trunk when they get older. And so this all creates habitat um, and they're thorny as well. So this gives protection from for birds as well when they're wanting to nest. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 10. Today I'm in conversation with Rob Taylor. He's behind the Linear Arboretum in Ross and Wye in Herefordshire, but he's been in the industry for years, known locally as the Tree Man. Today I'm in conversation with him about flood prevention, carbon capture, our connection with trees, ancient woodlands, and most importantly, I think the biodiversity that trees give us today. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy the next half an hour. Here's my conversation with Rob. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much indeed for joining me today. Oh, hello, Tim. I'm more than happy to be here and, um, yeah, pleased to be here. Well, we're going to enjoy these next few minutes together. Thank you so much. Now, uh, I want to kick off, first of all, with the uh, Linear Arboretum at Ross. Uh, that's something that's uh, been going on the last few years. I I've been particularly interested in that and to see its development. Can you share a little bit about, you know, why you've started that and what sort of stage it's at at the moment? Um, well, I've not been a long term resident of Ross, only about the last five years, four years. Um, and in being involved with the uh, Blake Gardens, at some point, I just thought, you know, we need a few more trees so we could do something with it. Um, I approached the town council and um, anyway, they gave me a tentative um, agreement. Yes, we could do something. And so I started planning the Arboretum. And because of the the area that we can plant in, it has to be around the edges of the large grass areas we have. Um, so in doing that, um, I, it sort of became a, a linear arboretum. Most arboretums are like woodlands, but um, we couldn't do that here. I'd love to be able to turn all the grass areas we've got here into a woodland, but I can't do it. But um, So it was all around the edges. And um, uh, so we did the first half about oh, two years ago, we started did the first half down Long Acre and along by the bandstand. Um, we formed an avenue there. Um, and then over the, the last year, we, we've done all around the rope walk and every single tree has been sponsored by a member of the public. And um, all the trees are, every single tree is different. There's not, uh, there's different varieties of a same species, but there's not a repeat of one tree at all. So there's a good range of trees along there. And uh, so it's, uh, we, we really, we've we've run out of space. That's the problem now. Wow. Um, I still get people asking if they could sponsor a tree, but we just haven't got the space. So um, maybe, maybe in doing this little um, podcast, there might be some landowner close to Ross Town that might have a bit of land that might be spare and um, might feel you know beneficial and giving it to the, the town to create more woodland yeah, but there we are that's brilliant and uh, I mean are you planting these trees or the people who are sponsoring how does that actually work in practice um, I, I've got a, a, a little group of people who, well mainly the people that work in the Blake's Gardens but um, there's a few of us and uh, we're generally planting the trees for them, but where people ask to be there and to help and to do, then um, then they do, they um, they can. And, you know, certainly some people will prepare it all and 
they might just put in a couple of shovelfuls of soil. They'll, they'll feel that they've done something towards it. Um, and, but, but basically we do the work. And, um, and again, I've been fortunate that every tree I've picked, it's not, had we said to people, what tree would you like to plant here? We would probably be full of, um, I don't know, probably cherry trees. And yeah. th so it would have looked lovely for a while, but this is the idea was to make an arboretum so that it is a collection of trees. Um, so no, I've been lucky to be able to choose the trees and, um, and people then choose from the list. And yeah. uh, so no, it's been, it's been a good exercise and it's made the, the community have a sense of ownership, I think. And uh, they've, they've, you get so many good comments from the public and uh, the, the, the <laughs> I, I get called the tree man, <laughs> <laughs> which is quite nice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, it could I, be a lot worse. Oh, yeah, it could be. I mean, there might be some there. So, and, and I would think I'm just looking at the window now and I can see um, a chap I know with his dogs. And uh, I'm sure a lot of the uh, the dogs appreciate the extra trees that we put in there. So, uh, Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Rob, isn't it? That sense of in that first lockdown that we have with COVID, there was a, a great awareness of, of nature and wildlife and the great outdoors, I, I'm guessing with people having um, more time on their hands and um, longer walks. Uh, there seems a connection with the, the outside and the natural world, but also with trees. And I think, you know, you were mentioning about people wanting to plant trees in, in memory of people. And I'm just wondering why, what it is about trees that we're drawn to, do you think? Uh, well, I think we've, we've been better educated or the public are generally better educated now about trees there's more information around about the benefits of trees to us and possibly with this covid as you say people having longer walks and perhaps they became a bit more appreciative of just how valuable and how impressive trees can be um, and so i think there's as i say there's also this innate thing with us we trees would have been everywhere um, and in this country where we're we're short on trees, whereas in other parts of the world, they've got a, a high, higher density of trees. But I, I think we, we are becoming more and more aware. And, and because of trees, sort of timelessness, if you like, um, by planting a tree in memory of somebody, I think you uh, have a sense of, uh, well, certainly for the, the grandchildren, only, only this last week I planted a, a memorial tree with a, a woman and her daughter, in memory of the grandfather and the woman's father. And um, it was thinking, they, the, the mother said, you know, you will be able to come along here and uh, see grandpa's tree. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's generations take it on and on and on. So uh, it's a nice way to keep that, the memory going through a tree. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and if you're living in the area or if you move away, but you can come back knowing that that tree was planted in memory of a relation. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's some sort of innate sort of, feeling within us of connection with the past and persons and so trees help to do that i think lovely and because we've we've lost many trees in our towns and city centers um you know what do you think needs to happen to bring about a, a new greening in these areas and um you know do you have any examples of of other countries who seem to be doing a lot better at this than we are oh other countries doing better than we are there are masses of them really um but in this country, you know, we're, we're such a small country, small island country, um, or group of countries, I should say, um, we, we, 
we, we're lacking space. And, and the other thing is when you're living in like Ross, you know, an old town, you haven't got the capacity within the town to, to green it a great deal because of the narrow streets and the, the closeness and narrowness of the roads. And the, so, but for planting trees, you, you can go to other parts of the world um, out in Turkey, I know for a fact we were out there um, and you see thousands and thousands and thousands of trees being planted and on this barren landscape and you, you look and you think well, who's doing all this, what's happening and, and a nice simple and wonderful thing they have there is you get your education for nothing, university education, you don't pay a penny for it um, if you or I were to go there and we could get the education for nothing. But what you have to do is give time up in the holidays and they send busloads of youngsters out planting trees. Wow. And you think, well, what a way to get connection with the trees, do something for the environment and pay back your education. I think it's a wonderful way of doing it. Yeah. And there are other parts of the world that are planting in Ethiopia. They, I think it was Ethiopia a few years ago, a couple of years ago, they planted they had a national thing, and I think they planted over a billion trees in a day. Right, right. You know, and you think there's, so there are other examples. We're, we're doing lots of tree planting, but one of the problems we have is that there seem to be far more trees coming down, being felled, um, than there are being planted at the moment. Um, you look in, if you go to West Wales, where ash dieback is very prevalent, they are cutting the, this. There seems to be such a a zest for let's cut them down before we see if there'll be any regrowth and um but there's not any sign of replanting as they do it and and we had that with dutch elm disease um <laughs> we, we should have learned from that we cut down millions of trees but did we replant in the hedgerows we didn't and uh, i think with ash dieback we're going to have the same issues not replanting but in the cities the there's there are some good signs coming along they're saying now that the the new developments they should have streets wide enough to allow for street planting of trees so um there are good ideas around there so i think things are slowly changing but um it is a slow process but the, and with all of these rules and regulations i could suppose if they say if the trees are of a certain if the roads are a certain width you have got to plant trees. Well, you can bet your life that the uh, developers will probably make sure they stay under the width so that they don't have to plant trees. And um, it's, a, it's a it's a minefield, I think, you know, because you see if the building, they're, they're there for making profit. And so the more houses they can put on, the less room there is for trees. Um, and so trees again one of these things that people get a bit panicky about and um, you can plant a little thing and then a few years later the owner's got this massive tree growing up in front of their house that sort of ticked the boxes but um they hadn't looked to the future really too well yeah i think there's lots can be done but so you you know you look in hereford they, they did enormous amount of work in pedestrianizing the the town center but in doing it they they you know, the massive amount of digging out was done, but they said they couldn't plant trees there because of all the underground stuff that was there. Um, so, you know, so now they've resorted to getting large planters and putting the tree in a planter. So 
it's very controlled. The tree will never develop how it would if it were into uh, the ground proper. But um, oh, these are these are so many so many things that could be done and changed. But it is down to planners, it's land development. All these things are so so important and all interlinked. Um, but it's it's also the community in a way that uh, needs to sort of drive the. Uh, the powers that be, if you like, and sort of say we want more of them. Yeah, I was going to ask that because it's like, you know, over the last, it seems over the last 30 or 40 years, really, there's been very little creativity about planting in, you know, shopping areas or estates. And it's it's been all about low maintenance. It's been, you know, Catonias to Horizontalis. Um, <laughs> everywhere and I know in the end that's, that's about money as well isn't it but I'm just wondering you know how do we bring about that creativity in a in a restricted area but how do we um, help communities to engage with with plants you know a bit like what you're doing with this this arboretum how do we engage with local communities to make sure that they have some input over what their communities look like I, I, I think it's it, it, it's 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 a real connection with you know the your local council the county council government all of these things can have you know they all link together but you've got to have some continuity um i i think it's trying to sort of oh just educate through the schools if you if you could i mean it's a long process i think you if you get the kids doing things learning i mean they don't don't do much in the way of of nature study anymore in schools and you you think well that if they can't do that then they're not going to have such an in interest in it but if they had more of that in school then that would help them over the years they can start developing their interests and they start pushing and helping to make things move on but certainly um, local people can look at trees get an understanding of trees and realize that trees aren't awful you know some people they see a large tree and because in this country we've taken so many trees down we're not used to seeing trees that are big and so as soon as you've got a, a tree that appears to be quite big beside your house there's an instant panic that you know god this is going to fall on it it's the the roots are taking all the moisture out of the soil i'm going to have movement on the house um, all these things aren't necessarily true in some instances yes they are but it, it, it so it's having a better understanding of trees having better people around that can give advice on trees um, and then when they're giving advice even with the planting of trees it's it's choice of specimens what is the right tree for the right place it's it's no good planting a, a tree that's going to be a forest sized tree a huge thing in a small garden i mean i think sometimes you see garden centers um offering things for sale and you look at them and it, they spot particularly the uh, the corkscrew willow they say oh this is ideal for a small garden well it's not it's not an ideal tree for a small garden because it gets to be a big tree um, and that's the sort of thing is giving people the right information to make the right choices. And that goes for everywhere and everyone, you know, planners. And I think in some ways, because of I, I, I've been in horticulture from, well, the wonderful 60s, 70s, when there seemed to be a, a limitless budget. You know, there was loads and loads of money. But then gradually um, things were cut back. So you ended up with contractors coming in to do the work that you had a. A, a good well-qualified 
caring group of staff to just contractors rushing in, doing the job, getting out again. And as you say, the, the, the choice of plants is just things that are cheap to buy, perhaps evergreen, spiny to keep the vandals off and, um, and that's it. So it's, there's no real thought about the, the, the long-term need and want of these trees and plants. So I think it's a, you know, you haven't got such a skill base that you used to have and you've got, you haven't got the, the old timers, if you like, that used to be around sort of pointing the way for younger people and showing them. And that's all disappeared, I think, in largely it's gone, you know. I mean, being a one of the old timers now, um, sometimes I look and I see some people and I've, I've come across people and they've, they've done a two year course somewhere and suddenly they're a horticulturalist and you think, where do you get these names from to say <laughs> after two years, you, you're suddenly this wonderful person and, um, and they, they, you know, put on, oh, I shouldn't say it sounds a bit awful, but some airs and graces and you think, well, where's all this knowledge? You, you haven't got a lot of knowledge. And, um, but it, it, you know, it's one of those things. It's, uh, and it's not being bitter or anything like that. It's just uh, the, the lack of knowledge leads to a lack of um, good, good horticultural practice. Um, but there, there are one or two groups. There's, um, what's it? Tag is an, a, a group, um, and they are um, looking to plant trees, but um, it's planting trees that are suited to particular sites. Um, and they've got a good web page, and uh, that that shows you good examples of trees that you can plant in various places, but aimed mainly at sort of um, urban planting. Yeah. I mean, it's great that great that trees have come back onto the agenda. You know, mainly due to their benefits in reduction of carbon. But it it does feel like the wrong way around, isn't it? You know, there's huge amounts of trees being planted in some areas, but it's kind of needed a problem in the sense of climate change for us to realise that trees are so important. Yeah. Well, they, they the the thing is they they. They're so important for more, you know, we've got, well, the public, I think, just think of trees as a, apart from looking nice and doing things, but they keep saying about, you know, they sequester carbon, which they do, but they also, the most important thing of that is that they give us oxygen. Every green thing that you see, grass, seaweed, all sorts, is giving us oxygen. Um, that's their main thing, um, but also trees, they, they take the particulates out of the atmosphere as well. Um, the particulates come from when we break the car, when we um, change gear, the clutch, the brake, the tyres give out these little particulates, the tyres the, the break up the so surface of the road, and all these little particulates are in the atmosphere, and trees help to lock that up. Um, so they lock up those particulates, they give us oxygen, and they, they create, you know, take away power, uh, carbon, but also the benefits of them are in woodland in particular, they found that people with sort of, you know, slightly depressed or some mental health issues, um, because the trees take the red light out of the light spectrum, um, we're left with the green light and the green light is something that is calming and good for us. And so they found that trees are definitely, you know, of beneficial use not just through the oxygen they give us but through um just the the, the well-being it creates by being close and under trees so you know so-called tree huggers which i'm supposedly one of them um you know you you 
you you are getting some benefits from them so um mm. they, they do an immense amount of good i can't remember what the other bit of your question was but um <laughs> i'm just thinking um you know linking in with that you know flooding is a massive issue now isn't it and you know can we use trees a lot more in flood prevention do you think Oh, it's a fact that you do need them. It slows water down as it comes down. I mean, the idea is obviously, I think, that farther down river, you've got the bigger conurbations. Um, you know, they've always started the ports and all that down there, but it's slowing the water up. And certainly by having far more trees on the flood meadow areas um, or floodplain areas, then you, um, you do slow down that that rush of water. The, the problem is, of course, because almost all the, the river sides are owned by farmers and um, the, the soils beside the rivers can be very rich um, because they're like on the whole alluvial soils. Um, they're not going to want trees to be planted on it. So unless the government sort of put in a lot of money and said, right, well, we're going to buy these places and plant them, you know, you do get some areas where they do plant sort of barriers, not barriers, they, they plant these borders along them about 10 metres wide and they plant trees and other undercover plants that um, create a better habitat and slow the water down. But the on a bigger river like the Wyatts, it's, it's one different, it's, it's, it creates one issue that way, um, having the trees along the, the banks. But um, the, the banks of trees need to have the trees. The river needs to have the trees because it does so much for the fish as well. Um, by having treeless rivers, the water temperature goes up, particularly with climate change. There's no shade for the fish. Um, the leaves and insects and things drop into the river and that gives sort of um, feeding matter to all sorts of um, aquatic life. Um, but when you go farther upstream and um, we, we've got a, had some high level streams up in Wales, um, there when the trees fall down, by just leaving them, you get a build up of brushwood and other debris and that slows the river down a lot. The trouble is it then spills over into neighbouring land, other farmers, and they don't like it. And um, so, oh, it's uh, again, it's people that, uh, you know, yeah, but planting more trees, um, more of the right trees will, will slow down the river's movement to the sea. And so... And of course, um, you know, trees are often in the news when there are um, building work, developments, um, big projects. I mean, how do you respond to areas of ancient woodlands which are being cut down uh, and lost to projects such as HS2? Oh, how do I respond with despair, really? I suppose it's just uh, you look at, well, particularly HS2, it's, it's such a controversial issue. But you look at it and think, why on earth do we need to do all this to, to sort of give a certain seemingly group of people in our communities to a, a 10 or 20 minute sort of faster time into London? Um, and you just wonder, wouldn't it have been possible to sort of with the existing train service we're going up there just to widen that bit and, uh, you know, have less damage? Because once you've destroyed an ancient woodland, no matter how many trees you plant elsewhere, you're never ever going to be able to recreate what was lost over many, many, many years. Possibly there might be an improvement, but
but it's going to be quite a sterile environment compared with what an, an ancient woodland gives us. Um, there's so much goes on there that um, you, you just can't plant new trees to recreate it. You'll, you'll, you'll get some birds coming in, but the overall loss is absolutely horrendous, I think. But um, this is the, again, it's, it's about educating people. And, you know, it's, <laughs> we live in an awful situation where money is the thing that makes the world go round. And of course, money is something that drives everything along. And um, so, you know, you, 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 if you're a big company and you're going to be asked to put in a, a railway for, for the government, you're going to make a lot of money from it. And, uh, you know, it seems a lot of the public seem to be... Uh, just push to one side and so you've got the same with with you know airports you know increasing that as well locally when you've got in in ross where we've got a conservation area you've got the um building regulations and town and country planning acts and things like that that do um restrict what can be done to trees um, without permission and there are certainly quite a number of uh, well you know if you you do things to trees without permission, if the council can be bothered to make and take action about these things, you can face a £20,000 fine. And there's also at that end of it, an unlimited sentencing as well. So mm. they, there are rules and regulations and laws, um, but sometimes they're just not enforced because the local authorities just don't have the time and um, perhaps the cash and the willpower to um, chase these people. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, uh, you know, when we take a tree down in a conservation area, then the, the, the council have the powers to put in place a replanting order so that if one tree comes out, you plant another tree of the same or similar species. Or if, you, if it was too big for the site, then you have to plant two or three smaller trees. So those sorts of things could be um, enforced, but um, they're not always done. The, um, you mentioned um, ash dieback earlier and Dutch elm disease, you know, two big diseases affecting trees. I'm, I'm just wondering with plants moving around um, a lot more globally now and we're getting plants from other countries and things, you know, is there more risk or a higher risk of disease for you know, not just you know, ornamental plants, but, but for trees as well? Um, well, I suppose since, I mean, large numbers of our trees, our conifers, lots of trees, you know, that we've got are, have come from abroad over the years, you know, large parks, open spaces, big national places, they've, they've all got foreign trees there. Um, and yes, there's always a risk. And nowadays they are, you know, making sure that they've, they've got their biosecurity when they bring trees over or tr shrubs uh, are much more strict. But um, there's always going to be disease. You can't help it. These things happen. Um, what, what you get, though, is where, you, where the big problems come is because you get species that really are native or adapt so well that they, they flourish really well. And if you've got too many of them, then if there's a disease, then they could wipe out the whole thing. Um, but... What they're trying to do is in the urban areas, they're, they're, they're recommending perhaps um, a greater mix of trees. So by having a, a, a greater mix of trees planted, then if there were disease to come and affect one of those types of tree, then you're still going to have others left there. So um, 
you know, a, a greater range of trees will, will help to reduce the risk. But, um, but also I think we, with climate change, um, trying to make ourselves an island, I, I do think that we need to think about what we plant that might not be here now. Um, this is treading on dodgy ground, you know, alien species and all that. But um, insects particularly, but other things, are moving north as, as the heat of the, the world comes on. They're, they're moving up through Europe, trying to find higher ground, cooler areas. Um, and so if they come across the channel and we, and we are getting all sorts of insects coming into the country, then if we've got species that these can be that will host these other things in when they arrive, then at least we're, we're creating, our biodiversity will be changing, but at least we're trying to sort of sustain some other species that are coming here. So we ought to be thinking about those as well. You know, we can't say what we've got here, it never changes. It, it's been changing since the Ice Age, you know, most of it's arrived since the Ice Age. So I think we've got to look and think about what we, we do do and keeping our, our sort of biosecurity as secure as possible, but we need to think, well, we've got to allow other things in to um, try and help preserve those from other parts. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, my last question was going to be on biodiversity, actually, because I was going to ask, you know, what does a tree bring to, to having biodiversity in our garden? And, um, you know, can you suggest maybe two or three trees that could work well for, for a small garden? There's, um, well, I'd have wandered around the, um, the arboretum this morning because when we planted the arboretum and the, the area of the rope walk, I mean, if, if this is going out to, I don't know where this, this podcast goes to. Global. But if it's global, right, well, <laughs> <laughs> if you live in ross on wye or you come to visit ross on wye uh, uh, one part along the, uh, the, the linear arboretum is chiefly of trees that are um, narrow growing so that if you you fancy an oak tree there's a pin oak down there that um, it's called green pillar so um, an oak tree quercus green pillar just makes a column but because it's an oak oaks do do a lot of good they carry so many insect species when they establish so oaks cretaceous the uh, the hawthorn Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Hope it's encouraged you today to, to get out there and to connect with nature and trees. Uh, maybe soon to explore a woodland, forest or an arboretum, or maybe even plant a small tree in your garden. Thank you so much, Rob, for today. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And if you enjoyed this, uh, please feel free to share. We'll see you next time.